His cries attracted the attention of a policeman, who, holding his lantern aloft, examined the body. There's something pinned to her dress. What? Little slip of paper. There's writing on it. What does it say? Just two words. The Avenger. Despite its brutality, the crime would soon have been forgotten if the Avenger hadn't struck again the following night. When a third body was discovered, once more bearing his trademark calling card, it became apparent that a madman was at work on the streets of London. A madman who showed no sign of stopping. It began one night in the autumn of 1888. An East End labourer returning home through the fog and drizzle came upon a young lady slumped in an alleyway. Come on, love! You can't stay there! Taking her for one of the many inebriates who frequented the district, he tried shaking her awake. When he withdrew his hand, however, he discovered that it was smeared with blood. The young lady's throat had been cut from ear to ear. Help me! For the love of God! Somebody help me! Murder! Murder! Read all about it! Avenger claims fourth victim! Horrible murder! I'll have a chronicle, please. Or an echo. Sorry, Governor. Only penny papers left. Oh. You've nothing cheaper. No, Governor. Better take the standard, then. There you go, Governor. Thank you. Murder! Murder! Robert Bunting resented having to worry about the cost of the evening paper, but such was the situation in which he found himself. Ellen, I'm home! He and his wife were leasing a lodging house in the Marylebone Road. Unfortunately, they had failed to let out a single room in over six weeks, and destitution was now looking them squarely in the face. I'm down in the kitchen! Wearily, Mr Bunting lit the gas in the darkened hallway. How are we going to find any lodgers if they can't see the card? And when he was satisfied that the sign advertising rooms for rent was clearly visible in the fanlight above the front door, he went downstairs to join his wife. Hello, my love. Ooh, that smells nice. It's only boiled potatoes and veg. Oh. There's no point in pulling a face bunting. If you didn't squander all our money on newspapers, we might be able to afford a scrap of meat once in a while. I have to know what's going on in the outside world, my love. There's another report about the Avenger. <laughs> the Avenger. It's thanks to him that we're in this predicament. Who's going to want a room in London whilst that maniac's at large? After his meagre supper, Mr Bunting settled down in his favourite armchair and began to read the paper. As he read, his wife moved about the parlour flicking dust from the few items of furniture that they had not yet been obliged to sell. Do you know what I wish, Bunting? Hmm? Sorry? I wish we'd never left domestic service. Things are bound to look up sooner or later. Oh, that's all you ever say. We're almost in the poorhouse and you just sit there reading the paper and talking nonsense. Do you think I don't realise how bad things are? Do you think I don't lie awake at night and worry? Reading the paper is the only escape I have. Oh, I'm sorry, Bunting. I shouldn't nag at you so much. Who the devil's that? No, Bunting, you stay where you are. I'll go. Stopping only to adjust her hair in the hall mirror, Mrs Bunting hurried to the front door. Good evening. You have rooms to let, I believe? 
Yes, sir. Uh, won't you step in? Thank you. The man who entered the Bunting's hallway was tall and gaunt, and dressed in an Inverness cape. He carried a small leather bag in his hand, of the sort most commonly associated with doctors. Despite the slight oddity of his appearance, Mrs. Bunting knew at once that he was a gentleman. Ellen, is everything all right? Yes, Bunting. Go back to your paper. Uh, who was that? My husband, sir. I see. And uh, what's his occupation? He occasionally waits tables at parties, sir. He used to be in service. We both did. Ah. Uh, tell me, Mrs Bunting, are your rooms quiet? Yes, sir. Very quiet. Apart from my husband and myself, the house is empty at present. Uh, that sounds most suitable. Uh, solitude is very important to me, you see. I require it to pursue my work. Mrs Bunting was tempted to inquire what his work entailed. But thinking better of it, she turned and led him upstairs. These are my best rooms, sir. As you can see, there's a stove in the corner and, and a little wash basin for your hands. Oh. And through here's the bedroom. Capital, capital. Just what I've been looking for. You mean to take them, then? Well, certainly. I can see I'll be able to work here undisturbed. You won't regret it, sir. You'll live like a prince. Uh, my bag. I'm sorry, sir? Where's my little leather bag? Um, it's down by your feet. <laughs> Forgive me, Mrs Bunting. I didn't mean to startle you, but it... Contains something of great value and importance. There's no need to apologise, I'm sure. And now, to terms. My name's Sleuth. Think of a bloodhound and you'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't provide a reference, I'm afraid, but I I'm more than willing to pay you a month in advance. A month? Thank you, sir. So, what do you intend to charge me for these delightful premises? Would um, 25 shillings a week be too much? You say you have no other lodgers? No, sir. I dislike sharing. If I were to pay you 45, would you agree not to take in anyone else? Certainly, sir. And I can promise you the very highest standards of attendance. Uh, here's ten pounds. Oh. Keep the odd change. I shall require you to do some shopping for me in the morning. Oh, <laughs> indeed, sir. You've received me with great civility, Mrs Bunting. I was worried that you might bother me with tiresome questions. I hope I know my place, sir. Now, what can I fetch you for supper? I haven't much in, I'm afraid. Oh, a glass of milk and some bread and butter will be quite sufficient. I could cook you a nice sausage. A sausage? Dear me, no, I never touch meat. Oh, very good, sir. And will you be requiring any beer or wine? Certainly not. I was hoping that you were an abstainer, Mrs Bunting. I am, sir. I always have been. And I made my husband give up when he married me. <sighs> a haven of rest. That's what I've found, Mrs Bunting. He bringeth them to their desired haven. Beautiful words, Mr Sleuth. I'll fetch your supper. Uh, I shan't require you to attend on me too closely. I'm used to looking after myself. Don't worry, sir. I quite understand. You'll find that my husband and I are the very souls of discretion. There you are, Ellen. Who is at the front door? A miracle bunting, a miracle wrapped up in an Inverness cape and carrying a leather bag. A miracle? With a new lodger, and look, he's paid us ten pounds in advance. No, never. <laughs> Can you believe it, bunting? We're saved. There, 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 my dear, don't take on. Oh, oh, I won't. I'm a fool, I know I am, but oh, 
the relief. Well, tell me about him, Helen. What's he called? Oh, Mr. Sleuth. That's a funny name. He's quite the gentleman. A little eccentric, of course, but the best people always are. And uh, when am I to meet this walking miracle? Well, there's no time like the present. I'll let you take him up his supper. Come in. Mr Sleuth, I have your bread and milk. Ah, you must be Mr Bunting. Yes, sir. I set the tray down over there. Right. My paintings. I'm sorry? My paintings, you, you've turned them to the wall. I didn't care for them. Well, they, were, they were quite harmless, just portraits of young women. I found them disagreeable, nevertheless. I shall require you to remove them completely first thing tomorrow morning. Very good, sir. I trust that you and your wife are God-fearing people? I certainly hope so, sir. In that case, I have a favour to ask. Before you retire to bed for the night, I would appreciate the loan of your family Bible. When she woke the following morning, Mrs Bunting was surprised to discover she felt happy. The despair that had gnawed at her incessantly for weeks had finally gone. Even the scowling face of her husband, as he struggled into the kitchen carrying a large canvas, couldn't dampen her spirits. Oh. That's the last one. Six times I've been up downstairs this morning. Out of my way, Bunting. I'm trying to prepare Mr Sleuth's breakfast. If you ask me, our new lodger's a little bit odd in the head. Do you know what I overheard him doing? What? He was reading aloud from the Bible. <laughs> What's wrong with that? A good many people might profit from studying the scriptures more often. Yeah, but it was the bits he was reading, Ellen. They were all about how faithless and corrupt women can be. Oh, and so they can, some of them. Anyway, I'd rather have a lodger who disliked women than one who was constantly inviting them back to his room. I dare say you're right, Ellen. You usually are. Mr Sleuth has raised us out of poverty. Mr Sleuth's our salvation, Bunting. We owe everything to Mr Sleuth, and don't you forget it. Good morning, sir. I've brought you a nice pot of tea and some boiled eggs. Oh, thank you, Mrs Bunting. Did you sleep well? Sleep and I have become mortal enemies, I'm afraid. He rarely deigns to visit me these days. I'm very sorry to hear it, sir. I've prepared a list of the items I'd like you to buy, just oh. razors and brushes and so forth. You shouldn't have any trouble finding them. I'll leave at once, sir. And when I get back, I'll do your room. Uh, you'll have to wait until evening for that, I'm afraid. Uh, it may sound curious, Mrs Bunting, but I never go out before nightfall. When Mrs Bunting returned from her shopping expedition, she found that her husband was entertaining a guest in the parlour. Ellen, look who's here. Hello, Mrs B. Hello, Joe. Joe Chandler was the son of a footman with whom the Buntings had once worked. Unlike his father, Joe had eschewed a career in domestic service to join the police force. He was, in short, a detective. You'll never guess what. Joe's been assigned to the Avenger case. That'll please you, Bunting. You're obsessed with it. So's half the city, my dear. Wherever you go, it's all people talk about. It's a dreadful business and no mistake. The Yard want an arrest before there's another. Have you seen the scraps of paper, Joe? The ones on which the Avenger writes his name? Yes, I have. <laughs> it's a funny kind of visiting card, eh? It's no laughing matter, Bunting. <laughs> Quite right. Those scraps of paper give me the horrors. I don't doubt it. And uh, talking of visiting cards, it's time I was going. Sure you won't stay for something to eat? Uh, no, thank you, Mrs B. I've work that needs doing. Uh, but before I go... Yes? I haven't seen much of your niece just lately. 
Any chance of her visiting? Not that I know of, Joe. Oh, well. Never mind. After Joe had left, Mr Bunting sat tapping his fingers. A sure sign he was thinking. Then turned to his wife. Why do you think Joe was asking after Daisy? Can't you tell? He's sweet on her. What? Joe and our Daisy? Never. Why do you think he kept on coming round when she was staying here last summer? Well, I thought he wanted to see me. Honestly, Bunting, you haven't the brains you were born with. He could do worse. He's too young to be thinking about marriage. It'll all come to nothing, Bunting. You mark my words. With the peace of mind that financial security brings, Mrs Bunting found herself sleeping better than she had in a long while. But then, five nights after Mr Sleuth had first moved in, she was woken by the sounds of footsteps creeping past her bedroom door. Bunting, are you awake? <laughs> the footsteps carried on down the stairway, and then Mrs Bunting heard the front door being gently closed. She pulled out the pocket watch that her husband kept beneath his pillow and tried to make out the time. Three o'clock. For the next two hours, Mrs Bunting lay as still as death, until finally she heard the front door open and footsteps creep back towards the lodger's room. Despite her anxiety, she managed to fall into a dreamless sleep. But when she woke the following morning, a single question beat in her mind. Where on earth was he going in the middle of the night? Although he didn't give the Buntings a great deal of trouble, Mr Sleuth was a difficult lodger in one particular respect. His dislike of meat meant that they had to provide him with a strictly vegetarian diet. Mrs Bunting resolved the matter by sending her husband to the fish market early each morning to procure a piece of cod or haddock. After the troubled night she had just endured, Mrs Bunting was looking forward to the peace and tranquillity that her husband's absence would afford, so she wasn't best pleased to be summoned to the front door by a series of sharp knocks. All right, I'm just coming. Hello, Mrs B. May I come in? Joe, whatever's the matter? You're as white as a sheet. It's the Avenger. There's been another. <gasps> and I found the body. I've made you a nice cup of tea, Joe. You need warming up. Thank you, Mrs. B. It's a pity Bunting's gone out. I'm sure he'd like to hear the details. I'll call round again this evening. I don't want to be on my own too much at present. Was there another note on the body? Yeah. With the monster's name on it, signed in red ink. He does leave them, then. Bunting thought they might have been left there later by a practical joker. We all did. There's some very strange people about, but they're his handiwork all right. No doubt about it. You still look pale, Joe. Are you sure you won't have something to eat? Something to eat? I don't think I'll ever eat again. Uh, that, that's silly. You'll make yourself ill. Perhaps I'll try a slice of bread and butter later. I have a long day ahead of me. And I've been up since four already. Four? Is that when the killer struck? Yeah. Well, it was only by the merest chance that I was in the neighbourhood. If I'd have got there a minute sooner, I'd have caught him about his... filthy work. Oh, goodness. As it is, two or three people saw him vanishing into the fog. Did they say what he looked like? Oh, it was too dark to see him properly. They just said he was tall and lean. 
There was one thing they mentioned, though. Yes? They all agreed that he was carrying a little leather bag. Ellen? There you are, Ellen. Didn't you hear me calling? Hmm? I've bought Mr Sleuth a lovely bit of soul. Put it down over there. I'll see to it in a minute. Are you all right, my dear? You, you seem miles away. Joe Chandler called whilst you were out. There hasn't been another murder. Yes. Where did they find the body? I don't know. He didn't say. Oh, Ellen. You can ask him yourself. He's calling back later. Well, that might not be for hours. Oh, I'm sorry, Bunting, but I haven't time to argue. I've got to take Mr Sleuth his breakfast. Would you like me to take him up his tray? Of course not. Why would I? I don't know, my dear. You, you don't seem yourself at all. It was with some apprehension that Mrs Bunting knocked on Mr Sleuth's door. Come in. As soon as she entered, however, her fears and anxieties melted away. She had somehow expected her lodger to look different, but he was sitting in his familiar place, reading the Bible. The smile he gave her as she came in was, if anything, even more pleasant than usual. I'm sorry I'm late, sir. There's no need to apologise. I fear I give you a great deal of trouble, Mrs Bunting. Bless you, no, sir. Bunting and I often remark that you're the easiest lodger we've ever had. Is anything the matter? I'm sorry, sir? You appear to be looking for something. Oh, I was just thinking how tidy you keep your room, sir. I can't even see your old leather bag. I've locked it away in that little mahogany cabinet. I see, sir. Uh, if you want to dust and polish, I'm afraid you'll have to wait until this evening. I intend to spend the day studying the scriptures. Very good, sir. I'm never at a loss for something to do, Mrs Bunting, when I have the book of books to hand. Mrs Bunting left Mr Sleuth's room, convinced that her lodger was nothing more than a harmless eccentric. A harmless eccentric, moreover, who had saved her from disaster. I've got myself all upset for no reason. That's what I've done. As she descended the stairs, however, she felt all her old suspicions starting to creep back, until by the time she reached the parlour, she was once more uneasy in her mind. The postman's just been. Are there any letters for Mr Sleuth? No, my dear. It is a letter from Daisy, though. Oh, yes. Apparently there's scarlet fever in the house, so she's coming to stay with us. She might have had the goodness to ask first. Don't be like that, Ellen. She is our niece. I have quite enough to do without some slip of a girl getting under my feet. Mr Sleuth causes me more trouble than you seem to realise. That's all the more reason to be glad she's coming. She'll be able to help. Oh, you've got an answer for everything, Bunting. I suppose she'd better come, then. Thank you, my dear. You never know. Getting her hands dirty for once might actually do her some good. Joe Chandler, as reliable as ever, called in on the Buntings at a little after seven. He had recovered from his earlier agitation and was full of eager excitement. Mrs Bunting, interested in spite of herself, listened in silence whilst he and her husband talked. I'm as right as a trivet, thanking you kindly. I've had a good rest and I'm ready for the fray. The Yard thinks there's going to be another murder tonight. Do they? Haven't you noticed? He always does them in pairs. You're right, he does. I hadn't thought of that. The Yard really want him caught, Mr B. They're not best pleased with some of the things being written about them in the press. Have you seen this evening's standard? Seen oh. it? He scoured it from cover to cover. Listen to this. <clears throat> the police clearly have no clue as to the identity of the perpetrator or perpetrators of these horrible crimes. Under the circumstances, we can only wonder that the Chief Commissioner hasn't felt compelled to offer his resignation. Well, 
What do you make of that? Well, I think it's a rotten shame. I'm sure the poor old gentleman's doing his best. Quite right, too. The paper talks about perpetrators, Joe. Is it possible... Could, could more than one man be responsible? It's possible, I suppose. I don't think it's very likely, though. But there could be more than one. Like I say, Mrs B, we can't be sure about anything. You'll catch the monster, Joe. I know you will. <laughs> Not sitting here, I won't. <sighs> I'm afraid it's time I was going. I- I'll see myself out. You take care of yourself, Joe Chandler. Don't you worry, Mrs B. You can rely on me for that. Any news of Miss Daisy, by the way? Yes, Joe. Her mother's gone down with scarlet fever, so she's coming to stay with us. Oh, Yard thinks there's going to be another murder tonight. Another murder tonight. Another murder. Mrs. Bunting heard Joe's words over and over again as she tried to sleep. Midnight came, then one, then two, and still she remained perfectly awake. Finally, at three, she heard the sounds she had both dreaded and expected. The lodger crept past her door, carried on down the stairs, then quietly, ever so quietly. Let himself out. Despite herself, Mrs. Bunting gave a little sob of terror. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Is something the matter? Everything's fine, Bunting. Go back to sleep. But everything wasn't fine. For the next two hours, Mrs. Bunting lay absolutely still, staring out into the darkness, until she heard the front door open again, and her lodger creep back to his room. Wearily she pulled the blankets over her head and tried to rest, but it was all to no avail. Mr Sleuth had once remarked that sleep had become an infrequent visitor, and Mrs Bunting now found herself in the same situation. A carriage has just pulled up outside. Must be Daisy. Where have you put this morning's paper? Didn't you hear me? I said Daisy's arrived. I heard you, and I asked where you put the paper. It's over there on the dresser. Well, don't stand there gawping, then. Go and help Daisy with her luggage. <laughs> You're an odd one, Helen. You really are. Mrs Bunting had spent the morning in an agony of suspense. She'd watched her husband slowly reading the paper as he ate his breakfast. Normally, if there'd been another killing, he'd have read out the details. His silence had given her hope but she had to check for herself. Feverishly, she scanned the morning echo from cover to cover. To her immense relief, there was no mention of the Avenger claiming another victim. Oh, thank God. It was, therefore, with a much lighter heart that she turned her attention to clearing away the breakfast things. Ellen, look who's here. Hello, Aunt Ellen. Hello, my dear. I trust you had a pleasant journey. Oh, I would have been here much sooner, but the police have cordoned off all the roads after what happened. After what happened? Haven't you heard? It's the Avenger again. But there's nothing in the papers. It happened after they'd gone to press. Not another murder. Two of them. This time, the cabman told me, and both at King's Cross. Isn't it terrible? That's only just up the road. Oh. <gasps> Ellen! Oh, quickly, help her to a chair. I'm all right. Don't Come on, come and sit down, my dear. Have you got any brandy? There's some in the cupboard. Oh, I just came over a little faint, that's all. You want to get yourself to a doctor, Aunt Ellen? Drink this. You'll feel better in a moment. Thank you, my dear. I suspect it's just a strain catching up with her. We've had a tough time of it, Daisy. 
tougher than you might imagine. I'm sorry to hear it, Uncle. But we're all right now, aren't we, Ellen? Thanks to Mr Sleuth. Yes, Bunting. We're all right now, thanks to Mr Sleuth. Mrs Bunting remained out of sorts for the rest of the day. It wasn't until night fell that she regained some of her usual vigour. Are you feeling any better, Aunt Ellen? You don't want to worry about me, my dear. I just had a silly little turn, that's all. Through here, Joe. Look, we have a visitor. Oh. Evening, Mrs B. Hello, Joe. Evening, Miss Daisy. Hello, Joe. Daisy looks prettier than ever, doesn't she, Joe? Oh, I'm, I'm sure I couldn't say. Well, that isn't very nice. I'm sorry, Miss Daisy, I didn't mean any offence. Oh, you're a nasty, cruel man, Joe Chandler. But I forgive you. Joe has some more news about the Avenger. Oh, why must we talk about that horrible man? Well, I'd like to hear your news, Joe. Come and sit alongside me. Thank you, Miss Daisy. Mm. Well... Keep it to yourselves, but we think we've found his knife. No. It's a wicked-looking thing, as keen as a razor and pointed as a dagger. Oh, I'd give anything to see it. Bunting. Sorry, dear. Well, I'd like to see it too. Would you, Miss Daisy? Oh, yes. Just thinking about the Avenger makes me tingle inside. If we catch him, I'll take you along to our Black Museum. I dare say it'll end up there. Your Black Museum? Whatever's was that? Well, it's a little place we maintain at the yard, Mr B. It's where we put all the weapons used in murders. Well, knives and things? Knives, ropes, little bottles of poison. Well, can you take me there, can you please, Joe? Well, I'd have to get permission from Inspector Hopkins. He's my boss. But I don't see why not. Thank you, Joe. You're a good, kind man. I'm sorry I teased you earlier. When can we go? You're coming too, then? Of course I am. Oh. I'm not missing out on the Black Museum. Not for all the tea in China. Honestly, Bunting. What? Shall we say early next week? Uh, you're welcome to come with us as well, Mrs B. You're not showing me around some chamber of horrors, thank you very much. The very idea of the place makes me feel sick. Mr Sleuth rarely ventured out during the daytime. By a happy coincidence, however, on the afternoon that Mr Bunting and Daisy visited the Black Museum... He decided to purchase himself a new pair of gloves. As soon as he'd gone, Mrs Bunting hurried to his rooms. She told herself she intended to clean them, but her true motive, although she wouldn't admit it, was to conduct a thorough search. She opened drawers, examined shelves, even rolled back part of the carpet, but failed to find anything amiss. Finally, her eye alighted on the little mahogany cabinet in the corner. Oh! Open, blast you, open! Although she tugged at its doors, they remained resolutely locked. Finally, in desperation, she took hold of the entire cabinet and tipped it forward. Oh, oh my lord, what have I done? She heard a strange rumbling from inside. Then a thick, dark liquid began to ooze out onto the carpet. Nervously, she dipped her fingers in it. Oh, it's ink. It's just red ink. Of course it was. What else could it have been? What are you doing, <laughs> Mrs Bunting? Oh, Mr Sleuth, forgive me, sir, I, I didn't hear you come in. I asked you a question, Mrs Bunting. I was, um, I, I was dusting your rooms when I, I came over all, all funny. I, I had to lean against your cabinet for a moment. I, I'm afraid I've broken something inside. So I observe. It's only ink, sir. I'll wipe it up for you. Perhaps I was ill-advised to keep it in there. I'll... Go and fetch a wet cloth. As she left the room, Mrs Bunting felt immensely relieved. What could be more innocent than a bottle of ink? 
even if it was red. By the time she reached the kitchen, however, an uneasy thought had started to form. Didn't the Avenger use red ink when he was signing his name? Mrs. Bunting longed to share her suspicions with her husband. Sometimes she thought she'd burst if she didn't. But she knew that it would be unfair to burden the poor, slow-thinking old man with her worries. Instead, when he and Daisy returned from the Black Museum, she put on a great show of high spirits. So successful was her performance that the pair of them both remarked on how much brighter she seemed. And then I saw the actual bottle of arsenic used in the Notting Hill murders. It all but made my hair stand on end. What hair? Well, tell her about the death masks, Uncle Robert. Oh, yeah. They've made plaster casts of all the killers they've hanged. The faces, I mean. You should see some of their expressions. When they hang the Avenger, I expect they'll make one of him. Don't be so bloodthirsty, my girl. Be fair, Mrs B. If anyone deserves to hang, it's that madman. If he's a madman, he belongs in an asylum. The poor creature needs help, not punishment. Well, there she goes again. She's always taking that monster's part. I am not. I'll tell you about it later, Joe. What's that supposed to mean? Joe's taken me to the pantomime this evening. Is he indeed? He asked me as we were leaving the Black Museum. I haven't seen a pantomime in 20 years. Can I come? Punting? What? I expect they'd rather go on their own. Oh? Oh, yes, of course. Say no more, Ellen. I quite understand. Don't tap the side of your nose like that. It's common. Just make sure you have her back at a decent hour. Oh, don't worry, Mr B. You needn't have any fears on that account. And don't make too much noise when you come in. Remember, we've got a lodger. I'll try on, Ellen. But sometimes I forget he even exists. I beg your pardon? Can you believe it, Joe? I've been here for days and I still haven't seen him. Ellen likes to keep Mr Sleuth to herself, my dear. I know she does. If I were you, Uncle Robert, I think I'd be ever so slightly jealous. (laughs) Are you feeling quite well, sir? You've hardly touched your tea. I'm afraid I'm suffering from a slight headache. I'm sure the cold night air will soon freshen me up. You're not going out again, sir. Not tonight. Why, Mrs Bunting? Whatever's the matter? Oh, please, stay at home, sir. It's, it's so cold and foggy out. It's kind of you to express concern, Mrs Bunting, but I must be at liberty to come and go as I please. I couldn't stay here if I felt my movements were being restricted. Oh, I'm not restricting your movements, sir. Heaven knows I- I've done everything I can to make you feel comfortable. I know you have, Mrs Bunting, and I greatly appreciate it. Then why not stay in? The streets are so dark and dangerous. I shall be perfectly safe. I have the Lord to protect me. And as for the darkness, I welcome it, Mrs Bunting. I sometimes think that the darkness is my only friend. This is very pleasant, isn't it? Me with my paper, you with your sewing. It'd be a great deal pleasanter if you weren't still reading about the Avenger. I'm not the only one who's interested in him, my love. I know your precious Mr Sleuth has been studying the case. Mr Sleuth? What are you talking about? I happened to go into his room the other day and I caught him writing in a little notebook. He soon snapped it shut, but I saw the names of one or two of the victims. Are you sure? Yes, my dear. Well, what if he is studying it? He is a gentleman after all. It's only natural that he takes an interest in current affairs. You're very fond of him, aren't you? There's something sad about him, Bunting. Something haunted. 
We'd certainly miss his money if he went. Well, don't say such things. I couldn't go back to how we were. I'd sooner die. There, there, my dear. Don't upset yourself. We'd find someone else. Not at the moment, we wouldn't. The Avenger can't go on killing forever, at least. That's what the papers say. I wish I could believe it, Bunting. I really do. If he isn't caught, he's bound to give up eventually. There must come a time when even an Avenger feels he's been avenged. Mrs Bunting went to the kitchen to prepare her husband's supper. As she chopped the vegetables, she found herself once more thinking about Mr Sleuth. Surely the suspicion she harboured could be dismissed as little more than coincidences. How could someone who always greeted her with such a warm smile be anything other than harmless? He's a good man. I know he is. And if he weren't, could she really betray the man who'd saved her from destitution? She was far from certain that she could. Mrs Bunting? Surely that couldn't be the lodger. He never ventured down to the kitchen. I see you have your stove burning. Excellent. Mr Sleuth, whatever's the matter? Uh, just let me warm myself by it. Well, wouldn't you rather I made you up a nice fire in your room? I don't want to be on my own. Not just yet. You don't look at all well. Perhaps I should summon a doctor. There's no need to trouble yourself. I shall be perfectly all right again in a moment. Mr Sleuth refused to say any more, but remained by the stove, absorbing its heat. Mrs Bunting couldn't help noticing, however, how violently the hands he held out towards it trembled and shook. The following morning, Mrs Bunting woke from a light and troubled sleep, feeling weary and unrefreshed. Her husband was downstairs making them a cup of tea. As she trudged to the dressing-table... She wondered why it was taking him so long to perform such a simple task. When he came back ten minutes later, she had her answer. He'd been out to buy a newspaper. Guess what, Ellen? There's been another. No. She'd half expected it. Yet still she felt the blood draining from her face. And this time it's the Edgware Road. Can you believe it, my love? He's getting closer. Good morning, Uncle Robert. Where's Aunt Ellen? I've sent her to see the doctor. She had another one of her fainting fits whilst she was getting dressed. Oh, poor Aunt Ellen. She didn't want to go, of course. But I can be quite firm when my mind's made up. I am the master of the house, after all. Yes, Uncle Robert. Best not tell her I said that, though. We don't want any unpleasantness. Well, is there anything I can do to help while she's gone? You can move out the light for a start. What do you need light for? You're only polishing shoes. I like to see what I'm doing. I won't be able to shine them properly otherwise. Those are those funny-looking rubber-soled boots. They belong to Mr Sleuth, my dear. Oh, the mysterious Mr Sleuth. I wish I could meet him. Well, now's your chance. You'll be expecting his breakfast in a moment. I'll let you take it up. Come in, Mrs Bunting. I'm afraid Aunt Helen has gone out, sir. I'm her niece. Ah, your aunt has often spoken of you, my child. Remind me again of your name. I'm Daisy, sir. Daisy Parsons. Tell me, Daisy. Are you a good Christian? I try to be, sir. Do you honour your father and mother as the Bible instructs? My father's dead, sir. But I hope I'm always respectful towards my mother... I hope so, too. God doesn't easily forgive those who break his commandments. That's what my Sunday school teacher always says. You do well to heed his words. If young people could only learn to love virtue, a great deal of... Yes, sir? A great deal of suffering might be avoided. 
Are you all right, sir? You seem a little upset. Forgive me, my child. I, I didn't mean to alarm you. I suddenly found myself being troubled by unpleasant memories. I'm very sorry to hear it. Put my tray down on the table. It was good of you to bring it to me. Well, I like to help out when I can. Aunt Ellen won't always allow it. I'm sure she has her reasons. I hold your aunt in the highest regard. I know you do, sir. And she returns the compliment. Does she? Oh, yes, sir. She says you're the best lodger she's ever had. I wish I were worthy of her approbation. But I'm not sure I am. I fear that the day may be coming when she'll choose to view me in an altogether less favourable light. Bunting! I'm in the kitchen! I don't know why I let you persuade me to go. Four hours I was kept in that surgery. What did the doctor have to say? He gave me a big bottle of tonic and told me to take more rest. Rest, indeed. Anyone would think I was 80. It sounds like good advice, my love. Why don't you sit down and let me make you a cup of tea? <laughs> Thank you, Bunting. I will. I had a stroke of luck whilst you were out. You know I have a friend in the catering trade. Yes. He popped round to see me a few hours ago. Apparently, he's organising a party for some very well-to-do folk and he wants me to wait table. We'd best look out your dress suit, then. I dare say it'll need pressing. When is this party? This evening, my love. Will you be able to manage without me? I'll do my best. You won't be entirely on your own. There's Daisy, of course, and Mr Sleuth. Oh, yes, Mr Sleuth. How is he? You'll have to ask Daisy about that. I let her take him up his breakfast this morning. You did what? She found him very sad and mysterious. She's resolved to try and bring him out of himself. You're a fool, Bunting. You shouldn't have let that girl go anywhere near him. She thinks he took rather a shine to her. I don't want her ever speaking to him again. Is that clear? Where are you going, Ellen? What about your tea? Bother my tea. I'm going to check up on the lodger. Come in. Uh, I'm sorry to trouble you, sir. I just wanted to see that everything was all right. Why shouldn't it be? Well, I don't know, sir, but... Bunting said he let my niece bring you up your breakfast. I found her most agreeable. She seems a good girl. She is, sir. Very good. Young women can sometimes be wanton and disobedient. But I can tell she's been properly brought up. She put me in mind of somebody else. Oh, yes, sir. Who might that be? You seem a trifle agitated, Mrs Bunting. Are you unwell? My nerves aren't all they might be, sir. I had to visit the doctor. I hope he did you some good, Mrs Bunting. Doctors are a much maligned body of men. But they do their best. I'm sure they do, sir. Are you sure that nothing else is the matter? Um, I was just wondering if you wanted another scuttle of coal, sir. It's icy out and getting icier. Anyone with any sense would stay in the warm. Why do you say that, Mrs Bunting? I hope you're not trying to restrict my movements again. Of course not, sir. I was thinking of my husband. He's got to go out tonight and work. I see. Well, Mrs Bunting, we can only hope that the poor fellow doesn't catch cold. When night fell, the weather became even more inclement. Mr Bunting, however, walking home from his engagement, couldn't have cared less. The young lady at whose party he'd served had rewarded him with a shiny gold sovereign. And this simple act of kindness had raised his spirits immeasurably. I don't care what the radicals say. There's nothing wrong with rich folk. As he approached the house, he saw his lodger coming from the opposite direction. Judging from the sweat on his face, Mr Sleuth had been walking at some speed. 
but his thick rubber-soled boots meant that he moved as silently as any ghost. Good evening, sir. Uh, 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 Mr. Bunting, it's you. Cold night for a walk, sir? Uh, yes, I've been to visit a friend in Primrose Hill. Allow me to open the gate. As he passed, Mr. Bunting accidentally brushed his hand against his lodger's coat. <gasps> oh, forgive me, sir. You look startled. No doubt you're wondering why my sleeve is so damp. I, uh, I expect it's just the sleet, sir. The night air is full of it. The sleet? Yes, Mr. Bunting. That's precisely what it is. But it wasn't merely sleet Mr. Bunting had felt on his lodger's coat. He was certain of that. As soon as Mr. Sleuth had gone inside, he examined his hand by the light of the street lamp. It was just as he'd feared. His knuckles were liberally coated with fresh blood. Bunting, is that you? Yes, dear. How was the party? Hmm? Bunting, what's the matter? Well, I'm just a little tired, that's all. Go back to sleep. But sleep didn't visit either of the Buntings that night. Instead, they both stayed awake, each of them troubled by suspicion and dread. Slowly, methodically, Mr. Bunting pieced together what he knew about the lodger until finally a picture began to emerge. By daybreak he'd reached a terrible conclusion about the man he was sheltering beneath his roof. Are you ill, Bunting? You've hardly touched your breakfast. I don't seem to have much of an appetite this morning. I can't afford to waste good food. You should have told me if you were out of sorts. How is Mr Sleuth? Very quiet and withdrawn. He didn't eat much either. Good morning. What time do you call this, my girl? Most decent folks have been up for hours. Can't afford to miss out on my beauty sleep. Joey's taken me to a concert this evening. Don't be hard on her, Ellen. She doesn't mean any harm. Thank you, Uncle Robert. Have you got this morning's chronicle? I didn't bother with it. Oh, I know you're not well. You buy that paper as if it were a matter of life or death. I'm starting to think you're right, my dear. It doesn't do to dwell on morbid things. It puts unpleasant thoughts into your head. I'm going to buy a copy anyway. The newsboys have been making a proper racket out in the street. I think there must have been another murder. When Daisy returned with the paper, she insisted on reading it aloud. Whether it was her aunt or her uncle who was most distressed by what they heard, it's impossible to say. But both felt themselves seized by the most terrible fear. He did this one in Primrose Hill. Apparently, they found her body stretched out on a park bench. Noticing that her aunt was starting to look faint again, Daisy went to the kitchen to fetch her tonic. While she was gone, Mr Bunting picked up the paper and, despite himself, carried on reading. To his horror, he discovered that Daisy had missed an important detail. The Avenger had left a clue at the scene of his latest crime. A single bloody footprint, made by a thick, rubber-soled boot. Oh, let's draw the curtains and shut out the night. Do you think we should leave London? Leave London? What are you talking about? We could stay with your brother in the country. Think how nice it'd be. No more dirt, no more fog, no more having to hear about the Avenger. You're in a strange mood, Bunting. I've never known you so odd. 
Joe at the front door. You didn't ask him in. There wasn't time. All police leave has been cancelled because of the latest killing. I suppose that means he won't be taking you to the concert. I'm afraid not. Oh, dear, I am sorry. Never mind. I'm not short of admirers. I bumped into Mr Sleuth a moment ago. <gasps> Mr Sleuth? What did he want? He was looking so pale and sad that I asked him if he'd like to take me out. Daisy! You shameless girl! And what do you think? We're going to Madame Tussauds tomorrow afternoon. Madame Tussauds? Mr Sleuth, I, I don't believe it. You must tell him you can't go. I'm only trying to cheer him up. Your uncle's quite right. You don't know what you've done. Well, there's no need to be jealous, Aunt Ellen. He's invited you as well. Well, that doesn't make it any better. You can come with us or stay at home. It's up to you, Aunt Ellen. But Mr Sleuth and I are going to Madame Tussauds. Realising that she had no choice, Mrs Bunting accompanied Daisy and Mr Sleuth to the Wax Museum. Alone in the house, her husband thought through his predicament. Most people in his situation would have gone straight to the police, but Mr Bunting had an uneasy fear of the law. Public association with such a terrible case would, he felt sure, destroy his reputation forever. As he tried to settle on a course of action, he was interrupted by a knock at the front door. Hello, Mr B. Um, may I come in? Mr Bunting no longer welcomed Joe's visits. He'd come to regard the young detective as an enemy who might bring ruin down upon his head at any moment. Daisy's not here. That's all right. It's you I've come to see. Are you sure I can't make you a cup of tea? Stop pacing about. You're making me nervous. Sorry, Joe. I think you know why I'm here. No, I don't, Joe, honestly. I want a word with you about your niece. My niece! Oh, is that all? Are you sure you're all right, Mr B? You don't seem yourself. I'm fine, Joe. What about Daisy? As you know, I've been seeing rather a lot of her lately. And, well, I'm thinking of asking her to marry me. Oh, yeah. Well, is that all you've got to say on the matter? Well, it's nothing to do with me. You'll have to ask her mother. I know. Have you any idea how Daisy feels about me? I'm sure I couldn't say. She likes you well enough, I think. There is something bothering you, isn't there? May I ask a question, Joe? If a man knew someone had committed a crime and he didn't go to the police, what would happen to him? Well, what sort of crime? A serious one. A, a very serious one. Is there something you're not telling me? I can't go on, Joe. All this deception is too much. Here, I'm your friend, Mr B. Tell me what's happened. It's the Avenger, Joe. The Avenger? Yeah. I think I know who he is. As soon as Mr Bunting had finished his account, Joe went to consult his superiors. It was agreed that they would meet again, just half an hour later, outside Madame Tussauds. Mr Bunting? Yes? This is Chief Inspector Hopkins, Mr B. He's in charge of the investigation. You're sure that your suspicions about this man are well-founded? Well, now that I come to think of it, I may be mistaken. The whole thing's probably a huge misunderstanding. No harm in taking him in, though, just to be sure. We'll wait until they leave the museum. No need to make a scene. Here they come now. There's no need for me to wait, is there? I've done my part. Too late. They're coming over. Bunting, what are you doing here? And Joe... Are you Mr Sleuth? What if I am? I have here a warrant for your arrest. Bunting, what have you said? My arrest? On what charge? 
On suspicion, sir, of murder. Take a seat. Thank you, Inspector. Now, perhaps you'll explain why I've been brought here. Don't play games, sir. You know why. Certain allegations have been made against you. Allegations concerning the Avenger killings. <laughs> you, you think I'm the Avenger? Surely not. That's too absurd. It's no laughing matter. <laughs> Forgive me. I don't suppose you appreciate the humour of the situation. But I couldn't possibly be the Avenger, gentlemen. You see, I'm one of his victims. I beg your pardon? What can you tell me about the first girl he murdered? She was a poor unfortunate who'd been sleeping rough. That poor unfortunate was my daughter. Your daughter? You sound surprised. I wasn't always the miserable wretch you see before you. What happened? After her mother died, I tried to bring her up according to the teachings of the Bible. Perhaps I was too strict. I don't know. But I've always believed that our only hope of salvation lies in following the word of God. I take it your daughter didn't agree. She seemed to delight in disobeying me. Eventually it became apparent that it was impossible for us to carry on living together beneath the same roof. So you threw her out? What do you take me for? That would hardly be the act of a Christian. She chose to leave of her own accord. You're very keen to paint yourself in a sympathetic light. But you've been heard reading aloud insulting remarks about women from the Bible. Well, for a time I blamed my daughter and all her sex for the misery I was experiencing. It was an indulgence. I see that now. An indulgence of which I'm heartily ashamed. If what you've told us is true, you're more to be pitied than condemned. But you still haven't explained what you're doing in London. After my daughter died, I turned once more to the Bible. And there... In Exodus, I discovered what I must do. Well, life for life, gentlemen. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You intended to avenge yourself upon the Avenger? After careful study, I realised that he was moving west. I took rooms in the Marylebone Road and began my search in earnest. Night after night, I crept out and roamed the streets looking for him. But it wasn't God's will that I should succeed. Did you come close? On one occasion, I found a police surgeon examining a body. I was so distressed that I couldn't face returning to my lonely rooms. I'm afraid I imposed on Mrs Bunting for the pleasure of her company and the warmth of her stove. That's understandable. Finally, however, the night before last... Yes? It was I who discovered the Primrose Hill victim... I very nearly lost my mind. Half fainting, I accidentally smeared my coat with some of the poor child's blood. I'm afraid I've also left behind a footprint. No doubt I can thank my carelessness for my current incarceration. Excuse me, sir. Not now, Sergeant. It's important, sir. Excuse me, Mr Sleuth. I'll be back in a moment. Would you really have killed the Avenger? When a dog has gone mad, it's an act of kindness to destroy it. I still don't understand why you started associating with Miss Daisy. For a long time, the company of young women stirred up painful memories. I even asked Mr Bunting to remove the portraits of some from my rooms. But Daisy made me realise that I was wrong to cut myself off from humanity. Life goes on, sir. 
Yes, Mr. Chandler. Life goes on. Would you mind opening my little leather bag? I'm not sure I should do that, sir. <laughs> Don't worry. You won't find a collection of butcher's knives. Just an assortment of papers and something infinitely precious. Ah. Is this your daughter? Hmm. It's the only picture I have of her. Remarkable, isn't it? In a certain light, she and Daisy might be sisters. All right, Mr. Sleuth, you're free to go. Huh? What? He isn't the Avenger, son. He couldn't be. I've just heard from one of our patrols. They've got the Avenger cornered in an old tenement building, down by the docks. His luck was bound to run out eventually. A young constable caught him, claiming his latest victim, and gave chase. Well, there's been another murder, then. I'm afraid so. But God willing, it'll be the last. Thank you for allowing me to come with you, Inspector. We can't have people taking the law into their own hands, Mr Sleuth, no matter how well motivated. I feel happier knowing exactly where you are. Have you got him yet? No, sir. He ran into that building. But when we followed, he vanished. What? Look, sir, up on the roof. He must have climbed through the skylight. Who's your best marksman? Silent River, sir. Then finish it. Very good, sir. Is that him? He seems so ordinary. What were you expecting? <laughs> I'm not sure. The very devil himself, perhaps. Evil wears a human face, sir. You should know that. Fire! Well done, Rivers. May I look at him? Will it help? I'm not sure. It might. It's a pity we couldn't take him alive. He got no more than he deserved. All they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. I'm sorry, sir? The New Testament, Chandler. It isn't only Mr. Sleuth who studies the Bible. Did you find out anything about the Avenger? He was just an itinerant worker, Mr. B. A nobody, really. A nobody who frightened the wits out of London for over a month. Shh. I think I can hear Mr Sleuth coming downstairs. Poor Mr Sleuth. Have you noticed how much smaller he seems? It's as though all the life has gone out of him. I'm not surprised after all he's been through. How you could ever have thought he was the Avenger, I just don't know. I've packed my few meagre belongings. Thank you for your many kindnesses, Mrs Bunting. I've left you a small remuneration on the mantelpiece in my room. Where will you go, sir? What will become of you? The Almighty will provide. I'm certain of that. Will we ever see you again? No, but have this. It's something to remember me by. Without saying another word, Mr Sleuth went out into the night. Mrs Bunting watched from the parlour window until he was swallowed up by the fog. Sadly, she turned to her husband, who was examining the souvenir that Mr Sleuth had left behind. It was a notebook, chronicling the Avengers' movements, carefully and methodically written in bright red ink. Three months later, Mr and Mrs Bunting attended the wedding of Joe Chandler and Daisy. It was the last day the Bunting spent in London. The small remuneration that Mr Sleuth had left them was sufficiently generous to enable them to buy themselves a cottage in the country. And there, amongst the fields and trees, they lived out their retirement. 
Occasionally, they considered renting out their spare bedroom, but they always decided against it. Because as Mrs. Bunting was wont to say, "Lodgers, we've had enough of lodgers to last us a lifetime."